Rewind with Oshin Langan. 11 feet, ball is on its way. It's tracking. He's got it! He is a world golf champion! The 2015 Bridgestone Invitational winner, Shane Lowry. They are dancing in Kings County, Ireland. You know, it's great to be able to pull something off. I, I've been kind of doubting myself a little bit this year. You know, things haven't been going my way, but, um, you know, when you come out the other end, it's always nice. A little dink away from a tackle there by Philippe oh, Coutinho. Oh, that is spectacular from Philippe Coutinho. We wanted a moment of magic, and we got it. Zarate with the shot. Oh, brilliant goal. West Ham have doubled their lead. Incredible stuff. Arsenal had their pockets picked. Check beaten for the second time. Sometimes you think things are, you have uh, over a problem, but uh, can quickly come back, and uh, so we have to work on that again, because uh, we usually, uh, in the second part of the scene, we defended very well on that. The ball breaks for TJ, he's one-on-one, picks it up, TJ at an angle, goal for Kilkenny, what a finish from TJ Reid. Well, there's going to be a lot of uh, media coverage on and now supporters are obviously going to be very interested in training, come into training, and then you have to just, there's going to be opinions playing around now as well, obviously come up to the final, so you just have to tune out from that. Remember that it's another match, the same as the match today or the same as the Leinster final, but you just have to tune in the same way and it's not a phase yet. It's Ireland's day, definitely at the Millennium Stadium. And Ireland prepare well for their World Cup. Wales have a lot of questions to be answered. They finished Wales 21, Ireland 35. This is the Rewind on News Talking. There you heard from Shane Lowry on winning on the PGA Tour for the first time. Arsene Wenger on losing at home to West Ham. Nathan Murphy commentating on Liverpool's victory away to Stoke. Dan Shanahan on being beaten by Kilkenny. And Cats defender Paul Murphy on the wait for the All-Ireland final with either Tipperary or Galway. The BBC Wales commentary team described Ireland's good win over Wales in the World Cup warm-up opener. Uh, How much can we read into that? We're not sure, but we'll talk more about it a little bit later on. We'll also look back on the Dacia's defeat to their neighbours with Brian Hogan and Nicky English. They'll also give us their verdict on next week's semi-final between the Premier and Galway. Speaking of Premier, in the Premier League, Keith Andrews was at the Emirates to analyse Arsenal's shocker against the Hammers and Paddy Mulligan will join us to look back on the weekend at large. Ireland opened their World Cup warm-up campaign with a win against Wales at the weekend. We'll ask what they got out of it with Irish independent rugby correspondent Rory O'Connor. First though, it's Shane Lowry and his win at the WGC Bridgestone Invitational in Ohio. The 28-year-old taking a two-stroke victory, finishing on 11-under ahead of a chasing pack that contained Bubba Watson, Jim Furyk and Justin Rose. Afterwards, Larry shot the breeze casually with the media. To beat those guys down the stretch on a golf course like this, I mean, this is probably one of the toughest golf courses, especially in this condition, you know, how firm it was this week that we play all year. So, um, you know, to shoot 11 under par, I, I said at the start of the week I'd take 8 under par and I thought that might win. Um, you know, uh, so to shoot 11 under par on this golf course, is, it just shows a lot about my game that it's good enough to compete at any level. Yeah, I mean, my game has definitely improved a lot over the last couple of years. Like I played here two years ago, definitely a, a better player, much better player than I was back then. I'm, I'm probably 20 yards longer than I was. You know, my irons are so much more consistent. Uh, my wedge play is better. All round, I'm probably a better player. I'm more mature as a, a as a player as well, which is a big thing. So yeah, I think the big thing is like I hit my driver probably I could probably carry it 20 yards longer than I used than I did a couple of years ago. So um, it's a big thing around here when you've got the likes of the tee shot nine. If you carry it over that hill, the tee shot in eight, you can get the ball down where you're hitting wedges into these greens, which is always a 
is, is always a help. Like when I came here first in uh, in '09, I was going into that ninth green with a three and a four iron and five iron every day, and it always makes it a little bit tougher. I thought as long as I'd done something half decent this week, I had enough for my card. Um, that's what I that's what I was aware of anyway. So I wasn't really thinking of my PGA Tour card at all. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm. I don't know where I'm going to be in the world rankings. Um, I'm going to be in a good position. I'm definitely going to try and play both tours. Um, you know, I definitely want to play over here more, and I've said that over the last year. Um, that was my goal coming over here and playing a few invites this year. You know, I'm very thankful to those people that gave me those invites at the start of the year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've achieved a lot of goals so far this year. Uh, you know, PGA Tour card, win another win. Um, you know, well inside the top 50 in the world. So. Um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the next few months. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was Shane Lowry on his win in the States. It was going to be a big night in Esker Hills Golf Club in Offaly anyway, because they were celebrating Alan Lowry's win in the Mullingar Scratch Cup last weekend. Um, some of the Amer- American press pack didn't know what the Mullingar Scratch Cup was. Some of them didn't know what Mullingar was. Uh, well, Shane Lowry was more than happy to explain. Yeah, it's one of the big events back home. Like, we've all won it. Um, you know, myself, Porrick, Rory... Uh, McGinley, um, you know, it's an amateur. Uh, as it's an amateur event, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like a, one of the big amateur events back home that um, you know everyone plays in. So he won that last Monday when I was flying over here. So um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good week for us. The, it's called the Mullingar Scratch Cup. Did you get? It? <laughs> <laughs> I also want to ask Mullingar, M-U-L-L-I-N-G-A-R. <laughs> Need a translator, do we? <laughs> That's Shane Larry having a bit of a laugh with the American journalist. He's so likeable as Larry. Uh, Des Smith joins us now, former Ryder Cup vice captain, also a former Ryder Cup player. Des, can you put it into context exactly how big a deal this win is for Shane Larry? Well, uh, Shane's been pro- progressing very well over the last few years. Uh, you know, last year he, he was a top 10 player in, in the Open Championship that Rory won. He's a top 10 player in the US Open a few weeks back. And this is another step forward in, in his career. This is a big step, though, because a world championship, I mean, the next level is to win a major. And, and if you're capable of winning a world championship, you're capable of winning a major. So, uh, And it's also got him away from that bubble that he's been on for some years now around the top 50 in the world where he was drifting outside and missing big tournaments. And he was getting in uh, in the top 50 and getting into them. This has blown that completely out of the water now as a winner of a, of a world championship. He's, he's probably right up there in the top 30 in the world. So all that is behind them. So it's onwards and upwards as I see it for Shane now. And what was the difference between Shane Lowry in this tournament and the Shane Lowry that would have played last year or the year before? Well, it's just experience of Shane, really. You know, he's mixing and playing at the top level now. Um playing in world championships, uh, playing all the big tournaments across Europe, and when he finished second behind Rory again and last year in the PGA Championship, that was a big step up from what he was used to. So I think, you know, in Shane's case, we've always known he's had the talent. Um, you know, he's been in the shadow of Rory, as most people are when Rory's in form, uh, but he's been close. And I think this, this is a big breakthrough for him. And it was a particularly difficult course that he chose to get his first big win in the States on. Can you explain to us uh, why it was difficult and how he got around it? Was it golfing smarts? Was it experience? Was it just making the right decision? Was there a a little bit of luck in there as well? Uh, Well, I think, um, as I said, his experience over the last few years is to him. 
I didn't think the course would suit him because, you know, his strengths are his mid-irons and his short game. He's a good driver with the ball, but you wouldn't put him down as one of the straight guys. Uh, and in actual fact, he was a bit cavalier coming down the stretch, I thought, yesterday. But his short game pulled him through, and that is his real strength. Is there anything he still needs to work on, or do you think he's kind of close to that complete game? Uh, it's very hard to say anyone's got a complete game, Oshin. <laughs> this uh, game of golf, it, it tests you every time. And you have to take, you know, you have to take the long view. In Shane's case, he's been... Pre- progressing every year, looking better. Look, we all expected him to do something, and now it's starting to happen for him. And how does he achieve consistency? Or again, is that one of the kind of imponderables in golf? It is a little bit, but, uh, you know, he's getting more comfortable up there in, in the top 50. And now with this win, this is to probably push him into the top 30. So he plays with the best players in the world more often. And when he looks at them and realises his game is every bit as good as theirs, that gives him extra confidence. And we forget as well that he's a relatively young man at 28. I mean, you could argue his best golfing years are to come. Well, I, I would say so. I mean, uh, you know, you'd normally guys get a window of about 15 or 20 years at the top table. Uh, and Shane's been there for the last few years. This is a big breakthrough. I think he's got 12 to 15 great years ahead, ahead of him. You know, like any sport, there's young kids coming in. You look at Jordan Spieth at only 21 or two years of age. There's many more uh, talented players coming along. So, you know, I think this could be Shane's time the next uh, the next eight years. Anything. He, he's got the game to win any tournament now. And I guess as well, it gives him momentum going into the PGA Championship uh, next week. Well, if you remember, there was a young Irishman won that tournament last year and then went on to win the PGA Championship. There's no reason why Shane Lowry can't do it. And just before I let you go, Des, what about Rory? He's coming off an injury. He will play in the PGA Championship, so we think anyway. But how difficult is it going to be? I mean, not only, I suppose, might he be in a bit of pain, although we don't, we don't know exactly, you know, how Rory is feeling. But he, he won't have been able to maybe practice properly over the last couple of weeks. And, and maybe he would have lost a bit of competitive edge having not played in any tournaments. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you, Oshin. I mean, we're all delighted Rory's back. I hope, I hope he takes his time recovering with the injury. I hope he doesn't push himself too hard. We saw what happened to Tiger Woods when he tried that. We won't know until until we see him playing this week and see how he reacts. I, my expectations wouldn't be high, though, of, of him winning. OK, Des Smith, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Hurling now and yesterday, Kilkenny secured an All-Ireland final spot with a 121 to 18 points win over Waterford. Cats defender Paul Murphy shortly on how they stifled the Dacia. But first, Waterford selector Dan Shanahan talks about what went wrong and if they were beaten by a better team or a team that played better on the day. Yeah, a team that performed better on the day, I think that's, um, we have to learn from this. Like, we may, probably made one or two mistakes. Mistakes we haven't been making or have been making and I didn't get punished for during the year and we got punished today. Like, you know, again, I have to say credit to Kilkenny. They're an awesome team. The fellas they have retired to come back and keep doing it every year. is phenomenal. You mentioned mistakes made. What were those mistakes and why do you think they happened? Because you see it myself. Like, do you know what I mean? You're the reporters, you saw the mistakes we made, so... I'm not going to comment on any player on the mistake. We went out there to do our best. We did our best today. But things didn't go right for us. And that's the way it goes. Was it, was it nerves? Was that a reason? No, I don't think so. Um, nervous. They're young lads, so they don't need to be nervous. Like, you know, it's a big occasion. Um, we just got punished today for one or two silly things. Like, you know, Kitty will punish you. Like, you know, maybe other teams you get away with, we didn't get away with today. Overall, a good year for Waterford. League champions reaching the Munster final, reaching the semi-final, back in the semi-final for the first time since 2011. How do you take the positives and drive it on? 
very hard at the moment no, because we're, we're, we're very down we'll have to sit back and look at it and, see, and discuss it and, as a management team and, and see where we can improve next year for us to improve next year we have to improve with 20% yeah. to, to, to improve like, you know, and that's going to be a big ask like, you know, but again the lads credit the lads they've been outstanding all year for us lads and you know that yourselves we're league champions we're very disappointed very disappointed we didn't win today I can assure you that we would came up here today to win the game and, and we didn't but look credit to Kilkenny they're absolutely awesome as I said the retirees they had and if as they didn't play today they have to come back credit to Cody's management team the way to keep coming back Pork Matney was missing throughout the year was he a big loss particularly against Tippin against Kilkenny Morris was excellent from freeze but I mean from general play yeah, of course he's one of our talismen like, you know he, he's um He's big. He's a big player for us. Uh, when you have that, when you have experience, uh, and it's, it's a massive loss. Like you know, but again, fair use to the lads that have stepped up to the mark. Yeah. Like you know, um, all year, like Morris has been scoring, but the ball has to come a long way for Morris to put over the bar, or get fouled and stuff like that. Like you know, so he's a credit. To, it's a credit to him. We'll have hopefully a party back 120 percent next year. We will have him back. And you know what I mean, so we we'll go back to the drawing board, see how we get on. He's a big loss. It's a big loss against Tip. I suppose we miss Pardew in the bigger games. I think Tip and, and Kilkenny like for his experience. But look, credit to the lads to help uh, that, that, that we have in that post there. 35 or 6 fellas we have they've been outstanding for their clubs their counties and themselves and we can't ask for any more that's. they come up today against a better team a fantastic hurling team and we didn't disgrace ourselves only one goal conceded against Kilkenny none against Tip in two championship games but do you need to create more goal scoring chances because he didn't score any goals in those two games I suppose you're going to say that though, but I think with a lot of, with two chances against Tip we didn't take them with a few chances in other teams we didn't take so we got one or two against Dublin so we've been creating goals and scoring goals all year I wouldn't agree with that no but look Again, people are going to say that we got no goal, created no goal chance. Yet Kilkenny had one, and they had two half chances. Let's be honest, that Gerald and TJ Ray had another two half chances, like you know, but they didn't take them, like you know. And um, it's something we look at. We're not, we're not look, that's, we, we don't mind. We're hurting today, you know. That's I can assure you that we're hurting. And to, to, to stand here and talk about it is, is very hard because I have to look back and see where we can improve. But again, I'm repeating myself what I am. Thank the lads for what they've done. Paul Murphy, Kilkenny, back in the All Ireland final. Um, you had to work hard for it today, but I think it's fair to say the best team won. Yeah, well, look, I suppose we like to think so anyway. Um, we did have to work hard, but we knew that was going to be the case. Watford have been flying it all year. That's only their second match to lose, you know. So um, they have a young team who just don't fear anything. And they, there were some great scores taken out there today from the likes of Austin Leeson and Shane Bennett and these lads, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a great win because it was definitely a real dangerous one for us. But we, we got over the line by, I think it was six points in the end, so we're, we're very happy. It must be strange to play against Watford, the system they play, especially when you're in the full-back line. There was times today where you had the time time to, to pass the ball to each other to pick out balls how do you use that how do you take advantage of that well I suppose if you do have a spare man you have to be conscious that um, he is there somewhere so if you get a ball take the second or two to look up and try and find him but also don't be I suppose as the lad says dilly dallying on the ball and giving the lad a chance to hook you but it's just you have to be that small bit cooler if you get a ball being the first minute or the last minute just a quick look up and if there's a player he could be 20 yards away from you he could be 60 yards away from you but just look up and I suppose comes down to skill then just pick him out that's, that's really it and that's, I suppose that's a long short of it You denied Waterford any goal chances was that something you talked about before the game and if so how did you go about doing it? No, it wasn't really, to be honest. We didn't know where they're going to come and um, maybe leave one of our backs free or two or none. We didn't know what they were going to do. So we just said, look, we'll go out and see whatever happens. Um, they did leave one free, so I suppose the most dangerous area on the pitch is going to be on that 21 in front of the D. So that's really where we, we landed our spare man and just launched him from there, you know. Um, but I suppose it makes it that bit tougher on a full forward if there is going to be a man in front of him and a man marking him as well, you know. And there is a spare man to shut off that channel really coming through. So we didn't focus on not scoring goals. It's any day you go out, you try not to let goals go in. But um, yeah, thankfully the spare man helped there today. You did an awful lot right today. It was mostly right for Kilkenny. 
I was going to say, what did you do wrong? But what do you feel you need to improve on for the final? I suppose we have to be a small bit more clinical. We were clinical when um, the pressure was on, but I suppose when we got that small gap there... Um, we hit a few wides and I don't know how many we hit but certainly from the backs you could see there was a good few wides going which if you get to an all-earned final be it Tipperary or Galway you're not going to get them chances again so we need to get our heads down and say look regardless what way the match is going if we're down by six if we're up by six we need to get the ball back over the bar and take our chances so from that point of view I suppose we'll zone in on that again Will you come to Crow Park next week to have a look at the semi-final between Tip and Galway? I won't, no, we have club matches next weekend now, so I'll be... You might not because the minors do, but... Oh, right, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, look, um, no, to be honest, either way, I'd say I'll just take it handy at home, I'll watch it on telly and just enjoy the match from what it is, but I'll, I'll recover myself instead. And how important is it, the experience you have of waiting for the All-Ireland final? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange time because not, not, not just from the point of view, really, of... Um, that you're going to play a final but I suppose there's going to be a lot of uh, media coverage on and now supporters are obviously going to be very interested in trying to come into train and then you have to just there's going to be opinions flying around now as well obviously come up to the final so you just have to tune out from that remember that it's another match the same as the match today or the same as the Leinster final but you just have to tune in the same way and just not out phase you How do you feel about the senior man in the full back line all of a sudden Joey and Shane playing today both younger than you both far less experienced Yeah I suppose I didn't really think about it to be honest um, Shane's been pushing hard in train and uh regardless even if Jackie got injured he's been pushing hard for any of our places you know so he stepped in today had a great game I didn't think of it as being the senior man to be honest because look the likes of Joycey is there and Killian Buckley and look Joey himself who wasn't his first time playing in Crow Park he's been playing with the club this year you know so we didn't think of it that way we just you know things like that don't come into it it's just as simple as putting the head down and working that's it Paul Murphy thanks very much best of luck in the All-Ireland final thanks a million Oshin. this is the Rewind and that was Kilkenny defender Paul Murphy on their win over Waterford you also heard from Waterford selector Dan Shanahan as per usual Brian Cody wasn't getting carried away and you can hear from him and his opposite number Derek McGrath on newstalk.com forward slash sport there will also be more from 7 o'clock tonight on Off the Ball analysis of that game now as well as a preview of next week's semi-final between Tipperary and Galway here's all-Ireland winning player and manager with Tipperary, Nicky English, who was also on duty for Sky Sports. But before that, it's seven-time All-Ireland winner, uh, Brian Hogan. I put it to him that uh, Kilkenny, quite simply, were the better team on the day. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think over the course of 70 minutes, they were the stronger team. And, uh, you know, I suppose we felt, really, you know, for the match that their power, you know, their experience and their power was held true. And that was the case. Walvert, you know, were, were competitive and, and hurt really well for large spells. But I think in the last probably 10, 15 minutes... Kilkenny just, you know, just that bit too strong for them. Yeah. The goal in the first half, that was a big boost to Kilkenny. TJ Reid got it. Yeah, Waterford didn't concede after that, but that maybe kind of showed the difference between the sides that Kilkenny were able to get that and kick on. Waterford just, they couldn't even get a goal chance, let alone a goal. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the closest Waterford got back to it in Kilkenny was that three-point margin, you know, and that, that was the difference when, you know, for large spells in the second half. And, and Galway never, or sorry, Watford never threatens the Kilkenny goal at all. Um, and that would be a disappointment from the Waterford's perspective. But, yeah, I mean, look, they responded well to conceding the goal to Kilkenny. It's something they would have tried to identify, I'm sure would have identified to try to avoid. But, uh, you know, Kilkenny, I suppose, they got that goal. That was a difference for large spells. And also in the second half, you know, some of the other forwards then chipped in with scores, you know, from Owen Larkin and Jerry Elwards and uh, then for out the feet from Michael Fenley and Killian Buckley. And that spread contributed contributed to the scores from TJ and Richie, you know, just was too much for Waterford. Just looking at the stats on the big screen here in Crow Park, scoring chances from play for Kilkenny, 32. Scoring chances from play for Waterford, 23. But they actually had 50% each of possession. Yeah, I'm not sure how what, you know, counts as a scoring chance. Is it a ball that's just hit into the square or does it actually have to go dead or over the bar? Because, um, you know, certainly Waterford had... Fair, fair share of the, of the possession but uh, it was their use of the ball it was probably disappointing you know they, 
particularly in the last probably 10 minutes where the game started to go away from they just started hitting long aimless balls into the square and Joey between Joey, uh, Joey Holden and Paul Murphy and, and, and Owen Murphy they're more than comfortably dealt with it you know, and we're never really in any major danger Richie Hogan is on the big screen there you might hear him with the blaring PA system in the background of Crow Park he was so important for Kilkenny today as was Michael Fenley the rumours were before the game that those two mightn't play they did and it was again Another big difference between Waterford and Kilkenny today was those two. Yeah, you could see how important they are to the Kilkenny team. I mean, um, again, you know, Waterford had, uh, whether it was Kevin Moore had decided to pick up Michael Fenley or vice versa, but, you know, Kevin had one of his quieter games today. You know, he, he played well, but he struggled, uh, I suppose, with the, with the physicality of Michael, and that's not too often you say that about Kevin, but, you know, Michael Fenley offers so much going forward in terms of his power, and uh, he was hugely influential, you know, as, as was Richie, you know, he chipped in, I think, with five points, and, and just his, the way, I suppose, he conducts things around the forward line, but really, I suppose, the standout player for me uh, was TJ Reid, you know, I, I think he might have finished with 1-9, but, you know, it's just everything he did, you know, and he was a constant threat there for Kenny, and, and, and I suppose a constant option for Kenny in terms of long ball into the square. If I asked you during your playing days, you couldn't answer me honestly, but you can now that you're an ex-player. Who would you rather in the final, tip or Galway? Uh, look, I think the lads are just going to be delighted they're there. That's first and foremost. There's, there's nothing better, really, than putting the feet up next weekend and watching the other all in semi-final, knowing that you're there, and I suppose, and, and, and looking at who you're going to be playing. Look, the Kilkenny tip matches are always special. They have, they have been the last number of years. You know, they've brought the best out of both teams. Uh, and I suppose that local rivalry, you know, neighbouring, neighbouring uh, counties. Uh, but look, you know, I mean, the Galway Kilkenny won't be too bad either. I think the lads won't, won't really give a damn once, uh, once they come up the right side of it. I think it's for supporters to, to debate that one. You're wondering who I'm waving at at the crowd. It's actually my dad, believe it or not. He always makes himself known. Um, what about that tip Galway game? How do you think it's going to go? Yeah, that's going to be a cracker, I think. Uh, it's you know I, look Galway have have all the tools necessary to really you know to cause tip problems. I think it's 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 there for them. You know they're they're well capable of going 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 on and, and, and causing a, I suppose a slight upset and, and putting one over on Tipperary. It's up to themselves really. You know up to the players. Can they bring that belief and, and uh, you know they have the ability uh, for, and they need to bring that that ability for for 70 minutes. We've seen it last year for 50 minutes the outhorn Tipperary and then just completely capitulated in the last 20 minutes conceding. You know, two ten to a point. I think Tip will score them. They can't. They have to avoid that. You know, Tip will have their period of dominance, and it's that is it's a, in that stage that Galway really needs, I suppose, to batten down the hatches. You know, and 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 you know, I suppose, hold their own against Tipperary. Um, but look, I suppose, looking on the, the farm over the course of the year, Tip do seem like a team on a mission. You know, even after the Munster final victory, you know, all the talk was we'll enjoy the day, but then it's down to business. Um, so I, you know, I do have a. A slight uh, suspicion that uh, Tip are going to come out on top in that, the next weekend. Jonathan Glynn thinks it's fudging bullcrap that uh, <laughs> there's only one forward in Galway. They need to step up again, don't they? Glynn needs to step up. Flynn needs to step up. Got a goal in the Leinster final, but didn't really do much outside of that. Uh, Canning, obviously, didn't have a particularly good scoring day the last day, but he did work hard. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the exact word in Jonathan Glynn you use. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, look, that's exactly it. I mean... Um, you know, people are saying about Joe not chipping in with huge amount of scores last, uh, the last day, but I mean, look, Joe carried the show in the Leinster final, uh, and the problem was that none of the rest of the players chipped in. There's a far better spread of scores the last day, uh, which is what you want, you know. And Joe still still contributed, you know, and, and and worked hard and threw a lot of ball around. It's better to have it that situation where you've got scores coming from different positions. If they're all coming through Joe, then you just you, you know you know what to do as the opposition. So shut down the supply coming to Joe, and then and you know and, and get bodies in around them. Um, if, they, if the likes of Jason Flynn, these guys, and, uh, and Jonathan Glynn can bring that threat again the next day, 
and Joe then can chip in with maybe a couple of extra points. Then you've got a, a you know a very difficult job um, as a set of defenders to try and close down the Galway forwards. But they can't be relying to one or two players. They have to you know as, as six forwards they have to bring that threat you know and cause. They, then if they do that, they will cause problems for the Tipperary defence. And just before I let you go, Tipperary have had a long layoff since the Munster final. It's not a good thing for them. Obviously, Kilkenny are so used to it between the Leinster and the semi-final. They know what to do. But for Tip, they haven't really handled that uh, layoff well at times in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they, it's not it's not new to them. They must have learned. You know, Emma Shea has been there, be it as a selector and now as a manager for the last number of years. They, I'm sure they have it. You know, they have it well. well Any time they've got to the final or even won it in the last couple of years, they've come through the back door. Yeah, but still, I think if you ask them which route they'd rather, it's to come through uh, the front door. You know, come through a monster, monster championship. Um, it's, it's really, you know, at this stage, it's not. Uh, look, if it was Waterford to come through the monster final, you know, won the monster final and come through direct, you'd have some concerns because it's all new to them. Tip have been here long enough. I don't think that can be used as an excuse at this stage. The players know what's required. You know, and it's it really, you know, it comes down to, I suppose, the players setting tone and training in the, in, in, during the course of a couple of weeks. You know, and the work is done at this stage now, so, you know, they're only going to be taking an easy week leading into the semi-final to ensure they're fresh. So uh, I wouldn't be using that as too much of an excuse at this stage for Tipperary. What does Brian Cody have to work on between here and the All-Ireland final? Ah, look, there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty to work on. I think, uh, I think the first thing, he's, he'll, he'll certainly be happy with the effort. Um, you know, and uh, the endeavour from the players. Um, you know, just uh, maybe a couple of uh, shot selections, where, you know, maybe incorrect shot selections and just a couple of balls went astray. You know, they'll be focus in on that. The injuries, you know, I'm sure he'll be keen to get the likes of Jackie and Richie Power and uh, Michael Rice uh, back fit, you know, and that will strengthen his hand in in terms of the number of options he has because even, you know, in terms of bringing guys in off the bench, which they will need for the final, certainly, you know, it, it'll strengthen their hands. So I see Michael Rice down there holding, holding his daughter you now at the sideline. It'd be nice to see him back talking out and, and maybe seeing some time in the final, you know, the next day. Ryan, thanks for joining us. And wouldn't you know it, just when we finish the interview, they turn off the loud music. But uh, listen, <laughs> enjoy next week's semi-final and enjoy the final because Kilkenny are back in it. Thanks for being Lushy. Nicky English, former All-Ireland winning manager and player with Tipperary. You're obviously going to be supporting Tip next week. They play Galway. How do you think that one's going to go? I think that's going to be very close, Oshin. Um, uh, like the bookies have Tipperary as very hot favourites. Um, I, don't, I don't see it as being as, as, as cut and dried as everyone sees it. Um, I think Galway played well in the Leinster final. You know, we've seen how, how strong Kilkenny are and how intense they are. And Galway matched that for a lot of the time in the Leinster final. Got a couple of chances. You know, David Burke missed a, missed a chance for a goal. Sir Donnell missed a couple of point chances. They could have even gotten closer. I thought then that they improved a bit uh, in the match against Cork. They had a greater spread of scores. Um, so I, I think Galway's physicality now, and, and I think they're... They really are happy in themselves and, and playing with confidence. I, I think that'll be hard to beat. Is it tough for Tip to handle that long wait from the Munster final to the semi final? Because any time they've done well in the last couple of years, it's generally been through the back door. Yeah, well, sure, we've seen like four of the last five Munster champions have been beaten in the semi final. So you know, like it's a, the stats really aren't, they don't lie really. You know? So I, I think it's, it's not just as easy as all that to, to manage that five week gap. And you know, typically we need to hit the road running because like, Galway have had the. That, that game in Turles against Cork and you know so it's it's, it's not it's not it certainly won't be easy for them What about Kilkenny they've beaten Waterford we're in Crow Park in the aftermath of that game what did you make of their performance? I thought they were impressive yeah I, I thought Waterford asked plenty of questions around the middle third so if, if there was any chink in Kilkenny's desire or hunger or intensity levels that you know might be found out you know Waterford never going to create enough of goal chances to beat him I felt at any stage and it looked like that but you know Kilkenny answered all those questions and 
around the midfield. They, they really tore into it. Michael Fenley, outstanding. Buckley, brilliant in the second half. And, uh, you know, just like it's really whoever is going to stop him is going to have to stop Richie Hogan and TJ Reid. You know, and who's going to do that? I don't know. It was exactly as you predicted during the week. Nicky, thank you. Thanks, Sasha. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Nicky English and Brian Hogan on Kilkenny's win over Waterford and next week's semi-final between Tipperary and Galway. If you have anything to say on that or any other sporting issue, you can email us on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. Now still to come, rugby correspondent with the Irish independent Rory O'Connor on what we can take out of the win over Wales at the weekend as the World Cup preparations begin in earnest. First though, it's the Premier League and yesterday Arsenal lost 2-0 at home to West Ham at the Emirates in a game we had live on off the ball. Keith Andrews was on analysis with Dave McIntyre. First though, here is Gunnar's boss, Arsene Wenger. I'm very disappointed because we were not convincing uh, in our, with our performance, no offensively, no defensively. And I believe as well we didn't... Uh, adjust well to the difficulty because uh, with two minutes before half-time the way we gave a goal away is difficult to understand with the experience we have at the back and uh, so it's very disappointing but I believe as well this group has a, a very good mentality and they will uh, uh, respond well and uh, overall what happened today uh, uh, was down to the fact that West Ham was better prepared than us, more advanced especially because they had many competitive games and I knew on that front could be a little bit tricky. And uh, as well, maybe uh, we were a bit nervous. I didn't feel we were uh, uh, as uh, serene as we have been in our preparation. Mm. Uh, last season you conceded a lot from set-pieces and from headers. Again, a familiar failing coming up again today, but conceding the first goal in a similar vein. Um, how much does that trouble you? It's troubling because... Uh, our back five is uh, at least 30 years old, you know, and uh, they have a level of experience and uh, it's difficult to understand. The way we positioned ourselves and uh, uh, the way that just before half-time nobody could really uh, talk there to be better organised. We watched West Ham beat Arsenal too little and I certainly didn't see that coming. No, I certainly didn't, you know, obviously you read a little bit about it and coming into it and I kind of knew that they weren't very good against Arsenal, but I hadn't realised it was 10 straight losses in a row, including cup competitions and the way they came today, a couple of new additions to the team and the way West Ham set up I thought was very, very impressive. It was brave and in, a, in a way going at a diamond in midfield to, to play two up front, but as the, the half wore on, Zarate kind of went into a wide position and it did become a 4-5-1, but they negated Arsenal's strengths. They took the, the lead, I suppose, a little bit against the run of play. Both goals, I would have to say, I, I would question Peter Cech and how he, how he how he dealt with them. The first one, should he have come for the cross? The, back, the, the defensive line, did they drop a little bit too late? To Coyote, obviously, timed his run very, very well. And the second one, Zarate swivelled and took a shot very, very early. Very early. And I don't think Peter Cech was quite separate. The three new faces in the West Ham team, we didn't know a huge amount about them. Obviously, we've seen the likes of Ogbonna play for Juventus in Serie A and the Champions League, but he made his Premier League debut today. A 16-year-old midfielder by the name of Reese Oxford, anybody who hasn't heard of him before, will be very often in the future. And maybe the star of the trio, Dimitri Payet, the man who may be the most influence on the game. He just pulled the strings in the middle of the field, always seemed to have time. He's got Champions League pedigree. He looks like a really good signing. Yeah, he's, t- he's 28 years of age. He's been around the French leagues for a number of years. He's got 15 caps for 
France, how he's only got 15 caps, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. He does look like the type of fella that he's a bit of a character and could potentially go off the rails, but certainly on, on this 90 minutes performance, it, it, it has to be up there with the performances of the weekend. He was, he was instrumental in the way they went about it. His work rate was phenomenal, getting back, tracking back. You know, his, his in, industrious nature, his, his touch on the ball, his composure. He looks like he was built to play in the, in the Premier League. You know, you look at you look at the centre half at Bonnet. You know, he's played ten times for Italy. Eight million pounds look a very very astute. He looked like he was the leader in that back four already. Him and Winston Reid, I'm sure, will forge a great partnership. And Reese, Reese Oxford, I don't, I don't quite know what to say. 16 years of age is a big big shell from Slaven Village to give him that that nod to go and play and in the anchor role in midfield as well a very responsible position and he'd done it very very well didn't get a lot of touches especially in the first half but controlled gave them a lot of defensive cover and showed a real maturity in his game you need real discipline to be in that position don't you particularly at that age and he, he showed it he looked like a guy who was very much aware of exactly what his role was and how he needed to execute it absolutely and if you look at the size of him as well he must be six foot two he's a good physical specimens of player and 16 years of age he's obviously got a bit to go but he was very very impressive in there very confident and astute in the way he passed the ball he kept it simple and he, he grew into the game on a couple of occasions he'd done a little a drive turn and popped it off but showed real discipline stayed behind the ball give them that defensive cover so I'm sure he's got a very very bright future so wonderful start of the season for West Ham you mentioned Petr Cech and he was certainly at fault for the first goal we've just just seen on the big screen here at Arsenal as all the fans filter out the second goal, he was wrong-footed by a shot from 25 yards. He just seemed to take an almost inexplicable step to his left, and that just left him flat-footed. He looked old uh, for that second goal, and I mean, he was supposedly the answer to all of Arsenal's problems, any potential goalkeeping problems, bring a sense of security and maturity to the back four. Well, not today's evidence. I still think he will, but you're right. Today he was he was disappointing, and the second goal, and that's until we see two, three different angles on TV and to make sure he wasn't unsighted. Um, but I do think it was the, the fact that Zarate, as he just nicked the ball off Oxlade-Chamberlain, he used his body and then swiveled and took the shot very, very early. But it wasn't it wasn't pinged right in the corner. It was a decent strike, but one you would think Peter Cech should have saved. So we won't talk about crisis mode just yet for Arsenal, but already they're playing catch-up and it was the absence of a plan B in commentary that you were really discussing. And unfortunately, that is exactly the accusation that was being levelled at Arsenal last season, the season before, and for many seasons before that, that if they're pretty tight, wonderfully skillful and compact football didn't pay off, they didn't really have another option. Well, yeah, it's, it's, listen, the manager's obviously very stubborn in his ways and how he goes about things. So in one way, I do respect that, but in other ways, you're not always going to play to the best of your ability. You do need plan B. Olivier Giroud does give you that plan B because he is a physical presence. So can you get the ball in the realm and get runners off him and play? Not more direct, but just a little bit more. You you know, manage the game. If if you if your tactics aren't working can you go and revert to a different type of plan but even if that's not happening they still didn't show enough endeavour enough fight enough characters within that team you know I'm listening to Mikel Arteta in the programme today and his notes talking about it's the best team spirit he's ever been involved in well listen talk talk is very very cheap and from what I've seen in this 90 minutes today there certainly wasn't team spirit on that pitch This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Keith Andrews with Dave McIntyre at the Emirates where Arsenal lost 2-0 to West Ham Ex-Chelsea Crystal Palace West Brom and Ireland defender Paddy Mulligan is with us now along with Team 33 and off the balls Raf Diallo uh, Paddy hard to disagree with what Keith Andrews was saying there. West Ham were the better team and Arsenal 
didn't look like a united bunch. They didn't look like a team with great team spirit. None whatsoever, Oshin. I watched it yesterday and I was very, very disappointed in Arsenal. Disappointed in, in, in their attitude in midfield, um, in, in the back forward and also with uh, Giro up front. Now, Giro had a bit of a thankless task because he was he basically up there in his own. So if, if Sanchez is fit enough to sit on the bench and he's fit enough to come on, well, then he's fit enough to start. I, I always believe you start off with your very best team. And, and, and Wenger didn't do that yet. So I would have been inclined to, to throw Walcott in from the very start and, and Sanchez and then see, see, see what they're made of. Now, you, there's no legislating for the, the two howlers from, uh, from Petrocek and also from the way that Arsenal defended. For, for the free kick that Petrocek was in, in no man's land, the Arsenal defence was about four, four to five yards off the 18-yard line when they should have been on the 18-yard line. And, and then they would, have, they would have got the ball cleared without any problem. Coachelli wasn't even looking uh, at, at where his, his, his man was. He decided to go ball watching yet again. And this is Coachelli and this is Mertesacker. And this is what they do. And it's incredible to think that Mertesacker has won a World Cup medal with Germany and played reasonably well with Germany. And then you, you see the appalling defensive performances that these two players put in each, each week. Not, 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 not alone, just once in a blue moon. But now it's, it's a regular occurrence and has been. And until Wenger sorts it out and gets their attitude right, because they're a bit like Man City. They think they're better sometimes than what they actually are. And when you talk up Arsenal, Arsenal then start, you know, they just let you down with a, with a real bang. But they've got, they've got huge problems. Even though it's only the first game, they've got very, very uh, 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 big problems. And, and Petrocek has got to go and get himself organised. And he's got to organise that back four. But first and foremost, he must organise himself because he was absolutely appalling yesterday. It's the worst I've seen him play. Yeah, and the other point as well, I mean, Casorla, I, I noticed kind of playing on the left, which... Actually, looking at last season, his best position would have been kind of central midfield, kind of playing as the deep well, line uh, playmaker. Yes. So that's obviously another mistake from Fenger. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Cazorla played his best football when he's in the centre midfield, when he's allowed to get on the ball and control things. Now, when he when he's wide on the left or wide on the right, as sometimes he, he he ends up being, he's reliant on other players getting him the ball. Now he's the one that supplies the ammunition, so why not go and use him? That's why I say I I, I couldn't understand uh, uh, Wenger's team selection yesterday. Good, bad, good, bad, or indifferent. And then Casario, he goes missing because he gets fed up and he's not happy where, where, where that that he's playing wide and right, wide and left because he's isolated. You know, it's a game for for far too long. So you got to get him back in the centre of midfield. You know, you got Cochrane in there you now who 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 will, who will do a half decent job for you. If Arteta comes back in. That's another player who can who can uh, uh, complement the back four, but they need they need creativity in midfield and they need it very quickly because Jack Wiltshire has gone injured again another eight to ten weeks, so he's going to spend his career injured. Unfortunately, that's the, that's the sad part about Jack Wiltshire that he he will never the potential that was there. I I don't believe it would be ever ever be fulfilled. Let's talk about the other game t- uh, yesterday. Well, one of the other two games yesterday because obviously there was Newcastle and Southampton and Shane Long scored for Southampton in a 2 all draw up at Newcastle. So that's good for him and good for the Saints. But uh, Liverpool against Stoke was our second live game on Off the Ball. We heard Nathan get a wee bit excited at Coutinho and his goal. Now, maybe Nathan was excited because it was the only thing that really happened in the match. But I put it to you, Paddy, that that's kind of a better win for Liverpool than an absolutely dominant one because this is the kind of game last year that they didn't win and the fact that one guy came up with one bit of magic and pulled it out of the fire that suggests that maybe Liverpool will be able to do that this season will they want to improve their performance yes but is there positives well I'll put that to you is there yeah there, the, the, the few positives, positives that there were was the fact that Coutinho scored an absolute uh, cracker of a goal it was a magnificent goal and it was the only it was the only bit of skill that that that, that we saw throughout the ninety minutes. Uh, the other positive from Liverpool's viewpoint is they've won the game one 0 they've kept a clean sheet. 
and defensively they looked a little bit better than what they have done over the past two seasons. And and I, I, I would still I would still be concerned about them because I, I, I think that they're they're very, very much a work in progress. Brendan Rogers got eh, perhaps a little bit lucky yesterday and Liverpool got a little bit lucky. But having said all of that, um the only real chance that Stoke had was a free kick from Charlie Adam that that, that uh, uh, um one of the Stoke uh, forwards uh, uh, Slipped in, but just couldn't get his get his hands couldn't get his feet to the ball, and Minula made it made a smash and save and turned it around the upright. Other than that, uh, Stoke Stoke were very very uh, ordinary. I, I I would have said it was a very very it was a very very ordinary game, and a very uh, to me a, a very disappointing game. I would have expected to see Liverpool play at a, at a much quicker tempo, and they didn't do that. Now Benteke up front on occasions did well in holding up the ball and bringing people into play but Liverpool still have the same problem in midfield they don't get enough bodies forward and until they get midfielders uh, forward to go and, 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 and complement uh, Benteke well then they're, they're going to be in trouble because you need at least I think you need at least 20 goals a season from, from your midfield players at least and if they don't, if they don't get that well they, they, could be, they could be the also rounds also yeah, and actually speaking of midfield as well, I kind of find Milner and Henderson, they appear to be fairly similar as players, which I think is a bit of a possibly a mistake as the season goes on. They got away with it yesterday. Yeah, but no, no mid- balance, no yeah. balance there, you see, because they're both similar type players. That that they'll 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 do their defensive duties brilliantly. They've they you know, they'll they'll run up and down the pitch all day long, but there's no final ball. I mean Henderson had a great chance to play Benteki in. Uh, near the end of the game, got into the, made a great run into the eighty-yard box. Never looked up. When Teke had pulled away from 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 the defender uh, onto onto uh, uh, Henderson's left, and Henderson just played it straight across the face goal into into no man's land. And, and if he'd had the quick look up, he would have seen that when Teke had made a run, when Teke had lost his marker, when Teke had done everything right, and then the ball didn't come. And that's the that's the lack of envision. That, that the likes of Henderson would have, and 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 may I say, uh, Milner, Milner to a degree, but, but to a lesser degree. But certainly Henderson has got to get his head up an awful lot quicker than what he than what he has done in, in the few years he's been at Liverpool. On Saturday, Manchester United made a good start in a result sense, but ultimately they needed an own goal to beat Spurs in yeah. a pretty unspectacular game. I was never so disappointed, uh, uh, Oshin, in the opening of of of, of a, a, a football season, as I was this weekend. All I saw was just missed passes. United give the ball to Spurs. Spurs give the ball to United. Liverpool give the ball to Stoke. Stoke give the ball. Arsenal give the ball to West Ham. West Ham give the ball to uh, back to Arsenal. It was it, it was frightening. Now we can all have, have, have uh, first day uh, stage fright, but these are these are all nearly all experienced pros who that that shouldn't be that shouldn't be passing the ball fifteen twenty yards. That should not be a problem no matter what the circumstances are. And, and I was very, very concerned. The pace of the game on Saturday with United and Spurs, I thought was poor. There was no real intensity. It appears as if this is the way it's going to be for Man United. They're not going to be the gung-ho team playing wide with two wingers, uh, bombing on and attacking at every opportunity uh, under, under, under Van Hal. Because he, 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 he wants a, a team more solidified and he wants midfield to, to dictate. Um, so it's going to it's going to be very interesting to see um, how how the season progresses uh, for for United. United still have problems at the back, although uh, Dalmi and the, the the right back, the new right, new Italian right back, did very very well. I thought defensively he was absolutely excellent. Maybe a little bit slow going forward, but look at he's a defender first and foremost. So let's get the defensive side of the game right. And I thought he was excellent. Smalling did reasonably well, but Smalling you can't rely on. 
and and, and that's gonna that's gonna be a problem as well. Schweinsteiger came on and 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 was taking the, tre- uh, the trend of the game more by uh, gesticulation than by actually doing doing stuff on the ball. He's a concern because of 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 ankle problems and knee problems. So, but if you had a very fit Schweinsteiger. United will be in business in midfield, but we don't know whether he's going to be he's going to be that fit. And also another concern that I have is that why would these players be coming to the Premiership at thirty years of age? You don't see the young lads coming to the Premiership anymore. You see them going to Spain. You see them. You see them going to the, the Bundesliga, and you'll see them probably in the next season or two going to Italy as well, to the likes of Juventus. So that that to me would be a concern. You don't see the Neymar's wanting to come, but you want to see the Suarez getting out of the Premiership and and and, and going to Barcelona. And 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 you, I can understand that to a degree, but United, uh, if United are in in in, in a pretty poor place in salary, uh, Spurs are in an awful place because they never they never even approached. And having said that, Eriksson really should have scored in the first few minutes. Uh, the only the keeper to beat, loved the keeper and, and just over the bar. Perhaps a little bit unlucky, but I would have, I would have expected a player of his quality to be, at least make the, make the keeper work. Um, United didn't have one shot on target at all at all at all Trafford. In the whole game, apart from uh, apart from uh, the OG, I mean that's that's a frightening statistic. Uh, so you know we'll we'll be watching this space with with real interest. But I I think that both teams, I mean the teams that, that all the teams have been out of the weekend. The only thing they can do, hopefully, is go and improve because I want to I want to be entertained. I don't be sitting watching five and six and seven matches a weekend and not getting an ounce of entertainment. And that I missed out on, on, on most of the hurling yesterday. That there was far and the minor match was entertaining and and, and, and the senior match was entertaining in in the in, in, in the hurling. And that I'm watching these uh, people with inflated egos uh, trying to strut their stuff and they're not, they're nowhere near the near the pace. And I don't understand. People were, the commentators were saying yesterday, "Oh, Arsenal looked tired. How could you look tired the first game of the season?" You've had your you've had your pre season, and pre- yes, I know from from experience, pre seasons are, are pretty tough. But in the last week coming up to pre seasons, and uh, in, in the week before the game, you're slowing everything down. Now I know that Spurs played a game the other night, but that's no excuse. People playing games is far better than pre season training than uh, doing a three mile cross country and getting the legs run off you. So playing games is far is far better for you because you're going to get your match fitness right. So the match fitness right the the match fitness should have been right for a lot of these teams yesterday. And unfortunately uh, it wasn't and then people uh, the likes of Wenger now is trying to make an excuse for all of this. Well there's no, there are no excuses, Mr Wenger. It's as simple as that. Arsenal have been touted as 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 being near enough championship uh, favourites. Now lads, the expectation is there go and meet it. And the expectation would be there for Chelsea as well, but obviously they, they drop points against Swansea now. That could be just a blip, but do you think it's a mistake that they didn't strengthen even more than they probably could have this oh, summer? Yes, I think, and especially up front. I think, he, I think he's very, very short up front. I mean, Costa was out there on Saturday, but that was it. He, he didn't really do a tap. Um, and and, and that, that's a, that, to me, would be an area of concern. Um, where, where, where they weren't conceding goals and now conceding goals. Fiorentini beat them uh, midweek 1-0 um, at, at the bridge in, in uh, a, a cup competition. Um, they've, had a very, they've had a bad pre-season. Um, I, I always believe that the ideal pre-season is, look, at, go and win your games, no matter how you win, because winning games breeds confidence. And even if you're not playing particularly well, you've won the game and, and, and you get more confidence from it. Um, and, and Chelsea appear to be a team with very little confidence. Hazard was trying to do stuff all on his own. 
um, and taking on three or four people when it, w- it would have been more advisable to go and give a ball to a colleague but then he, he put his head down and started going and sometimes that can work another time but by and large it won't work over over, over the period of, of the season or over the period of 90 minutes and yes for an occasion I mean they were down to 10 men when Court was uh, got sent off I thought he was probably a little bit unlucky because um, Gary Cale had come back and uh, he, he wasn't the last man so I thought he was a little bit unlucky maybe to get sent off he, he certainly should have got a card but I thought it should have been maybe maybe yellow but have, having said that um, Chelsea were, were very very sluggish at the back and and that has, has got to be a concern um, for Mourinho also along with midfield Fabregas had a, a it's the worst game I've seen Fabregas play, be it for Arsenal, be it for Barcelona or, or be it for Chelsea. He just had an absolute nightmare. Now, Fabregas will, will have less nightmares than anybody else, so you would expect him to come, uh, come back fiery on all cylinders. But they need people up front uh, because Remy, Remy is not the finished article. Falcao came on, still not right, and, and Costa still not right. So what, what you have there with Falcao, you've got Falcao who's recovering from, from knee surgery. I know it's a little over a year ago, but it's, it's taken him a little bit of time to get back. And you've got Costa who has this per, uh, perennial uh, hamstring problem. Um, so where, where, where does Mourinho go from there? I'm very surprised that he hasn't gone and, and, and addressed that, that, that factor. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Paddy Mulligan and Raf Diallo. We've two more live and exclusive Premier League games next Sunday on Off the Ball as Crystal Palace take on Arsenal at 1.30 while at 4. It's a potential belter between Manchester City and Chelsea. A rugby now though and over the weekend Ireland opened their World Cup warm-up campaign with a win over Wales but Irish independent rugby correspondent Rory O'Connor what did we learn from it? I think we learned that Ireland are in really good condition. That um, six weeks under Joe Smith and Jason Cowman, the fitness uh, uh, guru, I suppose, um, has have, has them primed for this this lead into the World Cup. They really hit the ground running. Wales looked like they, you know, we've been watching videos and pictures coming out of Doha and Switzerland of the Welsh team going through this rigorous training regime, and everything we're hearing is that Wales are in the best condition they've ever been. But it looks like they hadn't touched a rugby ball, you know, and some of them actually didn't even look in that, that good of shape. Whereas Ireland, who haven't left the country, um, came into this game and, and just blitzed them in the first half. And some of the, it wasn't just that they were faster than, than Wales, some of their technique, all this kind of thing was really, really good. Their play was sharp, their passing was sharp, their footwork was good. And it just shows the benefit of being in camp with Joe Schmidt for a long time. And, he, you know, assuming they're able to sustain the level over the next couple of weeks, it's it, it's something you can get excited about because they looked a little bit like Leinster when Schmidt had them week to week. And this was just the second string, you know. So it's, it's, it, it's very encouraging. Wales were terrible. But the level Ireland reached and with so many frontliners to come back in, that's, I think that's the big thing we can take from Saturday. It, it looked to me like Warren Gatlin didn't read the Genesis report after the 2007 World mm. Cup or didn't read Eddie O'Sullivan's book. Mm. Um, Keith Earls and Dunnaker Ryan playing for the first time since 2013. Um, they did well on the day. Have they got a realistic chance of being in the World Cup squad? Yes, I think so. I think Ryan in particular, um, while he probably didn't have the, as many spectacular moments as Earls, as is the nature of being a second row, I suppose, but he just looked... He looked like an international second row. He did everything you, you could ask of an international second row. And I think not only will he make the squad, I think he's going to make Devon Toner's life quite very difficult over the next couple of weeks. He also perhaps will free up Ian Henderson to challenge for a back row slot because we saw on Saturday that maybe Henderson doesn't get as much room to roam when he's playing in the engine room. You know, If you give him that six jersey, he gets a bit more scope to really have some of those big barnstorming carries. Earls was, you know, he made some mistakes. He did knock the ball on a couple of times. He wasn't quite at 
quite at the level that you want him to be at. And yet, his, there, was, there was one moment in that first half where he got held up over the line when he stepped inside a tackle, broke another tackle, and then carried two Welsh tacklers over the line. And it just, at split second, his footwork just got him past. And while, while Schmidt loves all this, you know, you know, rook hitting and all the other things that go with um, what he expects of a, of a back, he still wants X-Factor. And what Keith Earls gives you like Luke Fitzgerald perhaps and maybe some of the other players just don't have it is that X factor and I think girls did enough especially playing out of position in the centre because I think Schmidt will probably primarily see him as a wing but looking at that number 23 jersey perhaps and a guy who can come on and spark a game yeah. I think girls did enough to book his place on the, on, on the flight and Earls and Cave are very important because one presumes on form Henshaw and Payne will be the starting combination in the centre but it's an attritional game and as we saw with Tommy O'Donnell we'll talk more about that in a second Injuries happen. And Cave is, Cave is an interesting one because he played really well and you wonder if, if, if Joe Schmidt was entirely delighted with that because it, 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 you know he played his way into contention you know whether he was actually in Joe Schmidt's plans in the first place. I'd say Gordon you know. Darcy wasn't too pleased. Yeah, I'd say so. And, and, and maybe Darcy might get a chance this week because I'm not expecting the, the real frontline players of the Six Nations to come back in until the Welsh game. So we might see Darcy this week. We might see Noel Reid, although he may be part of the cut at the end of the week. We're not sure at this stage. But I think Cave... Who, who remained in the? I suppose I shouldn't have forgotten. Cave remained in the squad during the Six Nations when Darcy was cut. So nominally, or I suppose he he is technically ahead of him at the moment. But we weren't expecting him to go, and yet he covers to both centre positions, and he covered. You know, he did a, a pretty passable Robbie Henshaw impression on Saturday. Albeit, you know, one of Wales' worst players was their inside centre, and he waltzed over for a try that, you know, in any Test match, you know, you're just not going to get in in a proper Test match. But yeah, I mean, these guys did enough to. I, I think pretty much one to fifteen. You know, Paddy Jackson probably didn't do himself any favours by missing three kicks, but most of them enhanced their their their, their credentials. And and you know, you'd rather have been out there than someone sitting at home watching because it laid down a gauntlet for the guys that are going to be used against Scotland this this Saturday. Now talk to me about Tommy O'Donnell. We don't know how serious the injury is. We hope for him that that it's not and that he remains in contention for the World Cup. But I suppose two things: one, it shows the dangers of playing these kind of friendly matches, and we saw that with Jordan Murphy, I think, ahead of the O three World Cup when he broke his leg. You have to do it. You have to play matches. Uh, and two, it shows, I suppose, you know, how important it is to have a squad. Tommy O'Donnell, if he misses out, we have cover in that area. But he has played well. He's been in good form or was in good form at the end of last season. So, you know, he would be a loss. He would. I mean, he. I don't think, personally, I don't think Joe Schmidt was going to take him. But I suppose he's one injury away. He's next in line. And Ireland have already lost Reese Ruddock for this World Cup. So that's two guys down the line who maybe wouldn't have the big impact, but if you lose a Jamie Heaslip or Sean O'Brien, I mean, with his injury record, Peter O'Mahony, I think Shane Jennings said he was held together by string there recently. You know, these are guys that are, are guaranteed to start. I mean, our back row is, is fairly nailed on, you know, with Chris Henry and, and Jordy Murphy probably battling with, with and then Ian Henderson covering. I think you can almost name that now. And I don't think O'Donnell, even though he played really well on Saturday, had forced his way in. But as a guy who's next in line, you're now going, you're going two back because, because you know, Reese Ruddock would have been I think in the squad, so you're you're just losing cover, you're losing depth, and I mean, there's nothing to say O'Donnell couldn't have played really well that next week again, and 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 would have you know forced his way in, and he he looked like he was in really really good nick, but it was just so unfortunate. It, it, it was an innocuous moment, seventy seven minutes in, it was a really good run. Two Welsh players converged on him, and he went down, and he just never got up, and he just looked in so much pain when he was going off. Um, I mean, the, the the it looked like maybe a hip lo- dislocation. We don't have that confirmed at the moment. I mean, that just sounds not you know it's as nasty yeah. as it sounds. Apparently, it's a three month injury, so it's not like the end of the world. But it can have complications and things like that. And I suppose we'll, we'll learn more. I think lunchtime Monday we're getting a we're getting an update. And um, 
you know, you just you just hope it's not as bad as it looked. But the way he clung to Aina Falvey's jersey and the anguish on his face, it was just so. It was reminiscent of David Wallace four years ago. Jordy Murphy, uh, I think Felix Jones talked in the aftermath. He lost out as well right. in less dramatic circumstances. And it's going to happen. These games are a necessary evil. But I mean, you just hope it's not going to spook any of the other players, and, and that he's the only one because. You know, these guys have put a lot into this. You know, he's just gone through six or seven weeks of probably the hardest training he'll ever do, and he's not going to go. And that's like, well, it looks like he's not going to go, and that's really sad. What will Joe Schmidt look for from the Scotland game? Same again, I think. You know, different personnel. I probably should ask, what will he look for from Scotland? Because as as good as we performed on Saturday, Wales were awful. Yeah, and you probably learn not as much as you want when, when that's the situation when the opposition don't give you a test and it's the Scots first game as well so there's a fear that you know well, in Ireland they're not going to name an entirely new 15 I think some of the, the subs will from, from Saturday will uh, will come back in and you might see say Keith Earls or, or Ian Henderson deployed in other positions to kind of get, get a look at their versatility so I mean we played Scotland in a, in a full international with both full teams you know only a couple of months ago and absolutely blitzed them and there was different things at stake for the two teams then. You'd, ho- you'd, you'd hope that Scotland will be up to it. But there is a fear that, that Scotland won't be up to a huge amount. And, and there is, I suppose, the big worry for the players who performed so well on Saturday is that Schmidt will look at Wales and go, well, hang on a second, that wasn't a real test. I think that the big thing to take from um, last Saturday was that the personnel changes and the, the, the bodies and the jerseys change. But Ireland just looked the same no matter what. Now, I think to play your big teams, you do need your big players. But the ability, and we've seen it through the last November through Six Nations, someone gets injured and there's big worries about it. You know, Keane Healy goes out and Jack McCrack comes in, and and yet nothing really changes. There are bodies, there are guys who who, who are irreplaceable in the big on the big stage, and yet in so many positions there's a, there's a standard there and there's an expectation from Schmidt that they deliver something, and it and it nearly always takes place. I mean, that just looked like Ireland out there. It didn't it didn't it didn't matter that it wasn't the names that we expect to see on the, on, the, on the team sheet, and that's something that Schmidt has achieved that's really, really impressive and it, it must get stand Ireland in really good stead going into a World Cup. Well, you know what? Even if it was the most recognisable team in the world, it would have been very difficult to tell who was who on the uh, stream. A lot of people were watching it hmm. on. Not Rory that you understand. I watched it on an illegal stream because they didn't have BBC uh, Wales at home. Um, there's a cut this week, but it's not the final cut. No, I think we're going to go down to about 39 this week and I suppose O'Donnell's injury... If he if it does prove to be as serious as it looks, um, takes one decision out of Schmidt's hands, um, and may spare Jack Conan for a couple of weeks. Um, I think it's going to be less experienced guys who who are going to miss out this week. I think it's people who are maybe in the squad to get more experience, who maybe will be featuring in the Six Nations or the Summer Tour to South Africa next uh, next June. But I I don't think we're going to have any big shocks this week. There may be a back three player missing out. There's going to be big names in the back three missing out no matter what. Um, you know the three guys played very well at the weekend, plus Earls, and yes, I don't think you know they can't take that many of them. So then we may see, say, you know, I think Dave Carney, Simon Zebo, uh, Fergus McFadden are all at risk. Even Andrew Trimble, who played very well, he doesn't cover any other positions, and if he's not starting, he he's at risk. So, but I think it will be maybe you know it won't be as as, as dramatic as that. I think that's going to wait until the week of the maybe the the Wales game in in, th- in three weeks time. What about Australia and New Zealand? Bledisloe 1, Bledisloe 2 to come next week in Eden Park. Australia beating the All Blacks despite the fact that their half-pack, despite the fact that their half-backs didn't function all that well. well they were terrible. It was particularly Nick Phipps who you know, must have a candidate for one of the worst yellow cards of all time. It was really, really poor. But no, they showed that if you get at New Zealand, the same as Ireland did in 2013, if you blitz New Zealand, if you throw everything at them, if you, if everything comes together in, in at, at the breakdown and you know at the scrum, I mean, Australia dominated New Zealand at scrum time 
it was very very impressive and and they as you say they did it without their halfbacks and you, you, you kind of fear for those two guys, those two starters you know, whether Checo will stick with them because they were very poor but I think what it did and with, with Argentina beating um, South Africa later in the day as well it just gave a chink of light to everyone else that the big two who I think two years ago were by far and away the best two teams in the world are not at the level that they reached we've seen this with New Zealand before that they've peaked in between World Cups and you just look at Carter Dan Carter making little mistakes, you know, yeah. missing touch from from penalties and you know, just little inaccuracies that you just wouldn't have associated with New Zealand. Now maybe Lima Sabawanga will come in, the young pretender, but he's got very little Test match experience at this stage. And then you look at our uh, South Africa; they've lost John De Villiers for six weeks. You don't know if he'll go, and it just it, it offers up um, you know a window of, of 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 light for for all the teams who are hoping to to, to perform well at this World Cup. You're just glad you're not English or Welsh because the Australians seem to be timing their run very well, and that pool looks horrible. But then Ireland are probably going to meet either New Zealand or or Argentina in the quarter final, assuming they come through at least in second in their in their pool, which is likely. And Argentina are suddenly showing signs of being a really really good team. So, you know, I suppose it's it's got it's got both sides, but. You know, Ireland are up to second in the world as a result of the weekend's events. You know, you can you say what you like about the IRB or the World Rugby rankings. That they, it is a flawed system, but that's where they are. That's where they're ranked at the moment, and the number one team are starting to wobble. Yeah, they're certainly not as bad as the FIFA rankings. Anyway, we'll mm. give them that. Rory O'Connor, rugby correspondent with the Irish Independent. Thanks for joining us on the Rewind. Thanks, Eugene. Well, that's it for the Rewind this week on News Talk. Don't forget to join the lads every night this week from 7 o'clock on Off The Ball. And I'm with you on News Talk Breakfast just before half 7 and half 8 every morning. Uh, You can follow everything that's going on throughout the week on newstalk.com forward slash sport. It's a huge weekend next weekend. There's two All-Ireland Camogie semi-finals on. The Premier League continues two more live and exclusive matches on a Sunday on Off The Ball. Manchester City against Chelsea, I guess, being the feature one of those matches. There's also the All-Ireland Hurling semi-final between Tipperary and Galway on Sunday in Croke Park. We're really looking forward to that game. We'll have a full review of it at this time next week. For now, though, we're going to leave you with the highlights of last weekend. Until next Monday, goodbye and good luck. Rewind with Oisín Langan. 11 feet, all is on its way. It's tracking. He's got it! He is a world golf champion! The 2015 Bridgestone Invitational winner, Shane Lowry, they are dancing in Kings County, Ireland! You know, it's great to be able to pull something off. I've been kind of doubting myself a little bit this year. You know, things haven't been going my way, but, um, you know, when you come out the other end, it's always nice. A little dink away from a tackle there by Philly Coutinho! Oh, that is spectacular! from Philly Coutinho we wanted a moment of magic and we got it Zarate with the shot oh brilliant goal West Ham have doubled their lead incredible stuff Arsenal have their pockets picked check beaten for the second time sometimes you think things are you have uh, over a problem but uh, can quickly come back and uh, so we have to work on that again because uh, usually uh, in the second part of the scene we defended very well on that the ball breaks for TJ. He's one on one. Picks it up. TJ at an angle. Goal for Kilkenny. What a finish from TJ Reid. Well, there's going to be a lot of uh, media coverage on and now. Supporters are obviously going to be very interested in training, coming to train, and then you have to just. There's going to be opinions flying around now as well. Obviously, come up to the final, so you just have to tune out from that. Remember that it's another match, the same as the match today or the same as the Leinster final. But you just have to tune in the same way, and it's not about phase. It's Ireland's day, definitely at the Millennium Stadium, and Ireland. Prepare well for their World Cup. Wales have a lot of questions to be answered. It finished Wales 21, Ireland 35.